Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night find no rest. Continuing in verse 25. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All of the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. From Matthew 27, verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the word of the Lord. This is the fourth week in our sermon series, the famous last words. I'll look at the final sayings of Jesus on the cross, and as Marianne last week had a cold, I thought I'd continue the tradition. Uh, So I'm going to try to get through this with some tea and uh, water. Friends, the cross is a really hard place, right? It's a place that might be hard for us to think on for for very long. And we are spending six weeks thinking about where, where Jesus is and what he's saying on the cross. Um, and so as we think about this cry, this cry of desperation, of abandonment, I want to put it in the context of the story that we're reading about. Because it's not just this one moment. This is a part of a longer series of stories that's coming together. The last days of Jesus' life are presented as a sequence shot, as if a camera is filming a long take, focusing on different groups' actions and always panning back to Jesus. In Matthew's Gospel, the stories leading up to the crucifixion pick up earlier threads, carrying them through to a point, and then dropping those threads off for others. I want us to pick up one of those threads from earlier in the story because I think it will help us to set the scene for Jesus' last words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that thread I want us to think about is the falling away of everyone who has followed Jesus up to this point. Jesus even tells his followers, you're all going to abandon me. But predictably, they protest and declare, we will be faithful 
First, Judas abandons Jesus. Judas finds the chief priest and other religious leaders, finds out that they're looking for a way to arrest Jesus without stirring up too many protests during the time of Passover. So Judas goes to them and says, how much will you give me if I lead you to Jesus? They empty their pockets and come up with 30 pieces of silver. And Judas is bought. At dinner that night, Jesus knows that Judas will betray him and declares to all the disciples gathered, one of you will betray me. Judas acts coy, saying, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answers, You have said so. After dinner, a dinner that celebrated God's faithfulness to Israel, delivering them from slavery in Egypt, the disciples go out to a garden to pray. And Jesus asks them, Stay awake with me while I pray. But they nod off. Three times they nod off after Jesus rouses them, asking again, friends, stay awake with me. The last time that he wakes them up, they're interrupted by guards. Judas comes up to Jesus, kisses him on the cheek, and that signals to the guards who they should arrest. Jesus is taken away to trail in front of the religious leaders, to be put up in front of a sham court. Peter alone follows him at a distance. But when Peter is in the courtyard and he's asked if he's a follower of Jesus, he denies it, not once, not twice, but three times, just like Jesus said he would. Then Jesus is taken to a trial with the religious leaders taken from the trial with the religious leaders to the Roman governor of the province, Pilate. You see, Pilate's the one that has the power to decide if Jesus will be put to death or not. Pilate knows that the charges against Jesus don't warrant death. And instead of standing up and releasing him, he washes his hands of the case and turns it over to the crowd and says, who do you want me to release? The crowd also turns their backs on Jesus, and they choose to free a known criminal instead. Jesus is tortured and crucified alone. In the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples and other followers of Jesus aren't present. The only people there are the Roman guards who mock him, who divide up lots for his clothes, and the crowd who taunts him. Even the women who followed Jesus look on from a distance. And then, after three hours on the cross, darkness falls on the land. It's three in the afternoon. The sun should be out in full force. But even the light has abandoned Jesus. And now Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Gone is the star that shone so brightly it summoned astronomers from the east to come and find Jesus born in Bethlehem. They were looking for the one who would be the king of the Jews. 
Heaven is not opened as it was when Jesus came out of the water after his baptism. Nor does Jesus shine like the sun as he did in front of the disciples when he was transfigured before them. Light in Matthew has been a sign of God's presence with Jesus. And now even the light has abandoned him. And friends, I want you to know that even at this point in the story, there is some good news for us. It is unexpected, and it certainly comes coupled with grief and mourning, with shock and tragedy. And the good news is that Jesus has given a word for the darkness, a word, a reminder, an image of hope in the last place we might think to look. The word is to cry out to God, even when we feel or are abandoned. For sometimes God is most present when we think God is hidden. You see, God was present on the cross. Jesus, fully human, felt the weight of abandonment by friends, by followers, by religious leaders, by justice, and by the light of God's presence. And Jesus, fully God, took on that abandonment, emptying himself to suffer death on the cross for us. The word for the darkness is cry out to God. And Jesus gives us this word by speaking the words of Scripture. Psalm 22 Words that are so familiar to Jesus that he quotes them, just like you or I might start to speak the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd when we find ourselves in distress. Psalm 22 is a prayer of lament. As Matt had the kids do, it's the kind of prayer that you, put, you pray with your hands up. A lament that's spoken by someone suffering unjustly at the hands of others. The one who is praying this prayer of lament is tormented by people who tease and mock. If you read through the text of Psalm 23, it's almost as if it's describing exactly what happens at the crucifixion. Jesus is left alone and forsaken by all of those who were following him, who were his friends. And the prayer of Psalm 22 prays despite feeling alone, believing that God still hears, praying for deliverance even though it's not coming. Father Martin, James Martin, uh, the author of the book that we've been reading for Lent, he um, did a study of the saints. And one of the people that he studied was St. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, in 1946, when she was a teacher in India, she heard God's voice calling her to serve the poor in Calcutta. It was an audible call, and she felt utterly confident of God's work in her life and what she was supposed to be doing. Then, for the next 50 years, she doesn't hear God's voice again. We know this because Her journals have since been published after her death, and she writes, In my soul, I feel just that terrible pain of loss, 
of God not wanting me, of God not being God, of God not existing. Father Martin, in a New York Times op-ed, said, Mother Teresa concluded that these painful experiences could help her identify not only with the abandonment that Jesus Christ felt during the crucifixion, but also with the abandonment the poor face daily. In this way, she hoped to enter, in her words, the dark holes of the lives of the people with whom she worked. Paradoxically, then, Mother Teresa's doubt may have contributed to the efficacy of one of the most notable faith-based initiatives of the last century. The willingness to persist in the face of doubt. Friends, that's a testimony of faith. Expressing doubt or feeling abandoned is honest. Refusing to wrestle with doubts to express our feelings is not following Jesus' example. Because in the darkest moment, Jesus turns to God, asking why. I wonder if Jesus' question isn't a little bit unsettling for some of us. It certainly has been to many who read these words. Why does Jesus die? And why in such a gruesome way? Did God really abandon Jesus? How does that work? Isn't God just? And why doesn't God use God's power to bring about salvation in another way? These are challenging questions. It may be hard for us, for me, to hold an image of God as ruler of the universe, together with God on a cross as a suffering servant. We might want or need God to be a mighty king with angel armies who's going to come and slay our dragons. Or as Stanley Hauerwas, a theologian writing on Matthew's gospel, puts it, we do not want to give up our understanding of God as the one capable of putting everything right on our terms. We do not want to give up our understanding of God as the one capable of putting everything right on our terms. Perhaps part of the reason that Jesus quotes Psalm 22 is to point us to Scripture to help us understand more about God. An invitation to continue wrestling with our questions, but not by ourselves. To wrestle with God. We say that Jesus is the word of God in flesh, like the Bible walking around in a human body. Jesus' teachings and actions give us the most in-depth picture of who God is. So it seems beautifully appropriate that at a moment when God is most hidden in the darkness of the cross, we hear Jesus speaking scripture, a reminder that in our darkest times, God is still speaking. Some have suggested that Jesus quotes the beginning lines of Psalm 22 and means for us to fill it in with the rest of the psalm. Like you or I might fill in a whole idea with one line if I were to say, 
four score and 20 years ago, and you think of the content of the Gettysburg Address. Or if I begin to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, and you fill it in with the rest of the words of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, quoting Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? would make those around him who knew that psalm think of the psalm in its entirety. I think this is an important component of understanding what Jesus is talking about on the cross. Because Psalm 22, like many prayers of lament, begins with a challenge to God or a complaint. God, have you forgotten me? God, why are my enemies prevailing over me? God, have you abandoned me? And the prayer continues and describes the depth of suffering, demanding for God to be faithful to God's promises. And then there's a shift in the prayer, as if the person praying is reminded that God has heard and answered before. Laments often end with praise, with a reminder of who God is, how God has acted before, and a declaration of God's faithfulness in the future. Listen again to the end of Psalm 22. To the Lord, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to people yet unborn, saying that God has done it. God has done it. The abandonment that Jesus suffers on the cross isn't the last word. It's a part of a larger story. It's a place that we pause to reflect on how Jesus knows us and our pain and our grief intimately. And we're still being pointed back to scripture to wrestle with our doubts, with our fears, with our confusion, even in our darkest times, to wrestle with scripture, to look for God when God is hidden. Because Jesus empties himself on the cross to suffer abandonment. Jesus empties himself, becoming obedient even to the point of death, as Philippians tells us. Death on a cross. Taking on the shame. Submitting to other people's power. Dying on somebody else's terms. And that death is what overcomes the power that sin has over us and over the world. The cross is where God is putting everything right on God's terms. We have a broken relationship and need God. We need God to be present with us. And there are lots of questions about how that works and how that happens for us. And I think that's why there's not a simple answer because it's God. And God is often hidden from us in deep mystery. So we turn back to scripture like Jesus taught us, trusting 
that one day deliverance will come. Friends, you're not alone if you struggle with doubts. You don't have to be Mother Teresa to wonder if God's really present with you, especially in times of deepest despair. That's something that I think we all face and don't talk about often enough. Jesus on the cross felt the depth of our confusion and abandonment and continued in his work, pointing us back to scripture as the place for us to turn when we have these deep questions, when we struggle, when we don't feel God's presence. I hope that you'll seek God on the cross, God for you and God with us all. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace that reaches out to us even in dark times, for your word that wrestles with us and doesn't give up. Increase our deep love for you, for your word, for our neighbors. Fill us up, O God, to reach out, to serve, to be emptied. And may may we be filled with the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.